All right, it's DT Systems, dog tested and dog tough. You know, we like that dog in them, baby. We've been using the H2O1820. Over the last several months, we've been playing with this unit. Our friends at Standing Stone Kennels, Ethan and Kat, they've been using it for years, and we've been playing with it. We really like it. I think for the dog trainer, the hunter, and the guy or gal who's training their dog to get ready for duck season, we'll really enjoy the 1820. Super reliable, super consistent, great unit for you and your dogs. H2O1820. Dog tested. Dog. Gunner Kennels, baby. Hashtag man's best kennel. Well, it's also now hashtag man's best food crate. It's freaking raccoon proof. You can't get into this thing. Your dog can't bust into the lid and eat all the food. Trust me, I know Memphis has done it in the past. She looks like a blown up pumpkin. Boom. But not anymore. We've got the Gunner Kennel food crate. It's easy to pack easy to store, keeps food dry, which food's an investment, man. That Purina, baby, it ain't cheap anymore. So keep it dry, good, all that stuff. Easy to pack, easy to store. The Gunner Kennel Food Crate, slide into DMs if you'd like to learn more. It's force fetch, baby. It's the number one question we get asked. You don't know how to fix it? Let me help you. Let me get you to your goals. We built a course bunch of videos. I think there's 13 or 14 videos start to finish on how you and your dog can get through the force fetch process successfully. The link's in the description. Be sure to check it out and let me help you and your dog. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles, baby. Uh, first, I'd like to address that I think my thumb is going to fall off. We had a, a major catastrophe here at the kennel, um, and, and this is just a PSA. I'm pretty sure a broken duck wing punctured my thumb, and now it's massively infected and hurts, but, but we're working through it. You got to tough it out. We've got a doctor in the house. Yeah, Oliver. Yeah, welcome to the show, Oliver Berman. Dr. Berman. Uh, shout out, non-sponsor of the podcast. What was the knife? Havilon. Havilon knife. We sliced my finger open to try and get the pus out. Didn't work. Nope. Uh, we're going to take some dog medicine, antibiotics, and uh, cross fingers. Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. Don't, yeah, definitely don't, don't do be that. like me. But let's get into the show. We got that Yuka Nuba. I'm challenging you and your dog to the three-month challenge. You can get it on Chewy.com. You know, depending on your dog's output, 2616 protein to fat or the 3020 performance blend, give it 90 days, three bags. If you're not happy, Kevin will buy a bag for you or something. Next up. Smoke them if you got them, baby. I made some ribs the other day. I, I think did clams the other day too. You did We've clams? been on so long. I haven't even. We haven't talked about the clams. Good you got that great. ironwood. I do have the ironwood. What number do you have? Eight something. Eight series. We'll just say eight series ironwood. The good one. They, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, big big D's do what big D's do. We got to do a video on that soon. I know, but. Clams on the Traeger. Tell me. Smoked? Smoked. Uh, try to. 
mean, shit, tried to. Yeah, no. Uh, it was a bit of a rodeo. Uh, I'm going to try it again to improve and do even better. Uh, first tried to braise them in white wine, mm-hmm. garlic, butter, mm-hmm. goodness. But uh, smoking them pop. that way. Yeah, smoking them that way didn't work as well. So yeah, I just cranked the heat up. Yeah. That's all right. So hey, then we... we yeah. uh, Learning lesson. Yeah, went, went right on the grill. Nice. They popped. All right. Tasted good. You know what else pops? Can't, baby. Shoot or shoot. Mmm. Bismuth. Uh, they're getting pretty annoyed with everybody saying, mmm, bismuth to them, so keep it up. Keep annoying them. Thank you guys for supporting uh, a great company, a great American company, and uh, a company that helps us. And if good you, people. Yeah, and if you want to kill a duck, you know, knock them dead, shoot them with that. Mm. Bismuth. I mean, when they fall out of the sky, they just go, mm. <laughs> Now We might do like a, a short reel. <laughs> Come duck season and overlay the... We'll figure it out. All right, next up, Gunner Kennels. Man's best kennel. They uh they just came out with a sweet new camo T-shirt, by the way, in case you're interested in some of that. Hmm. They're also working on a Llewellyn Setter article. Did, go, did we write that? Tomorrow? Yeah, you know. We may or may not have wrote that. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, it's good. Ollie, do you have any Gunner Kennels? I do not. What the? All right, the never worst. mind. All right, doctor. The worst. Next up. Doctor. <laughs> Doctor, doctor, give me the news. We got a friend named Ali who needs some gun kennel blues. Next That's up, whatever, dude. I'm trying. Next up, Doctor Collars. What? A, I mean, I got nothing better to say. The collars that we suggest, and you can find them on Lone Duck Outfitters website, would be the 1900s. These are what, like, everybody asks me. What do you use? I use the Edge RT every day. In my back pocket is an Edge RT. The uh, young ladies who do my obedience, they rock the 1900S. The clients that take their gun dogs slash obedience dogs home rock the 1900S. It's just a great all-around unit that's trustworthy, waterproof, battle-proof, bad to the bone. So you can find that. Um, and then I also get questions on the old bark collars. And so there's two options that I would suggest to you. And that would be the YS 600 or the YS to who hundred. You can find all that stuff on lone duck outfitters.com. Dr. Berman, you're a doctor, man. Dr. Edge RT. Yeah, buddy. What's your favorite part about it? Um, the three dog system, being able to have three dogs on the same collar. Uh, a lot of times we'll tie out the dogs to the trailer on two tie outs and then we've got an extra one for the dog running so uh just having that and i feel like the consistency of the stimulation compared to other collars that i've tried in the past oh 100 consistency is key when you push that button it should be the level you push and the timing you push it and that would be my main critique on some of the other collars out there not that the higher end ones aren't consistent but for the price point this is literally the best bang for your buck Right, and I think too with you're not in the six hundred dollar range, you're in the three fifty, three eighty. Right, and I think you'll see too as well some of the lower ends. You know, you'll use a say a one or two, and the dog's not responding, and you'll get maybe a new client or something. They're going up, and all of a sudden, it'll start shocking yep. them a certain way. Right, exactly. No doubt. So no doubt. The consistency for sure. Sure. All right. Quick little selfish plug. 
patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters if we answer your dms and help you train your dog if we answer your questions here on the old podcast hit it up buy me and kevin a beer it helps improve our equipment we're trying to do more youtube videos it's a community where we do basically live uh podcasts where it's it's not one-on-one but it's like no, we all hang out. It's like a big we Zoom call it happy meeting. hour. Yeah, we call yeah. it happy hour. Everybody come have comes, happy hour with us. Hang out. Yep, come have happy hour. Patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters. It's a couple of bucks a month, like buying us a beer when we bell up to belly up to the old bar. And if we are talking dogs, you'd say, like, hey man, thanks for that. You know, let me grab you one. We appreciate you. Plus, it also enters you to win a free, all expenses paid duck hunt with the pit boss. Jeff Coates in Ocean City, Maryland, shooting them scoters, baby. And lastly, another little selfish shout out. If you need an e-collar, if you need a winger, if you want a lone duck hat or a unspoken bond t-shirt, flaunt it. I promise you, if I see you at a hunt test, I'm going to give you a high five. In fact, I have in MD, Maryland. Um, a lot of podcast listeners were down there, so I appreciate all the guys that we met down there and gals. Um, it's it's cool. It's I, I appreciate everybody who comes up and says they listen and uh, really means a lot to us. So thank you. All right, let's get into the show. Baby, we got Oliver Berman Foundation Retrievers located in Union slash Buffalo, South Carolina. He's a good friend of mine. We've known each other since he went to Clemson like years ago. He was a part of Clemson Retriever Club. And uh, we've had him on the podcast before. He, this is a second time, but he's here live in person. What's going on, buddy? Doing well. How about yourself? Man, I think we're both a little we're a little tired. We are. It's been a long last few days. Um, had the ability to come up, run a hunt test, and stay with Uncle Bob for, what, two weeks? Yeah. And That's a good vacation. It is. It's <laughs> not bad. a vacation about it. It's a good it, vacation. Speak, it's because changed. it's a vacation. It's change. Yeah. It's getting out of the... the monotonous routine of doing what we normally do at the, you know, at the house and the kennel yeah. and down the road. And, yeah. Uh, get on the road and, you know, new property. The property you train on is unbelievable. So that's been awesome for us. Uh, we don't have a ton of different tech water we can have access to multiple times. So that's been a joy to use. Yeah, it's super important to – we've talked about it on the show a bunch, but, you know, my dog, the old quintessential, I've never seen him do that. And they're at like a hunt test or a, a training day and it's new grounds for them. Going to new places and training in unfamiliar terrain is imperative to growing a dog. And uh, a wise man once said, you, you can make a great dog, but they're only limited by the water you have. Who said that? I'm pretty sure Stephen Durrance actually. I don't know about that one. I've heard it before, but I'm not yeah. sure who that. And, and we are fortunate enough to have a, a bunch of tech ponds, which I'm spoiled, so my dogs are used to it. But Oliver comes and sees, you know, different places to run from and different angles to hit the water at, and and it just opens up my dogs to a, a different little point of view and gives me a breath of fresh air where it's like, hey, go set it up, and I'll just show up and be like, well, we've run that before, so we think alike. We've run that before, so we think alike, but I've never run that. That's a great idea. Let's crush it. So it's really cool to see that we think similarly, yet you do bring new stuff to the property that I've been on for years. Right. Yeah, really neat. So how many dogs you get into uh, running today? <sighs> like, speaking of the setup, what did you do today? 
I had 20 on my truck. And then how many did you have? 22 in my truck. And like eight behind here at the kennel that we worked this morning here on the property. And then we had a bunch of amateurs come and train with us today. So we had, I bet we worked 60 plus dogs today. And we made this setup so all dogs, one. all dogs could run it depending on what they were doing. You know, we used, we had obviously had our master dogs and, and transition level dogs running basically the same setup. And then as well as the um, gun dogs, you know, we had, we brought them down and used a corner of the pond that was full of decoys um, yeah. and used that. So we kind of, we stood in the same area and just, Made it different for each different dog. Yeah. When and, you and shout out real quick to Big Sweat, Andrew Floyd. He's sitting in the room here with us listening to the podcast. He is uh, Oliver's right-hand man, bird boy, bird tech. Um, helps him with the kennel, and he's working his tail off for, for both of us. So I'm really proud of him. I mean, it's long, hot. And, and going to your quote about the dogs, your dogs are only as good as your water are. I also think your dogs are only as good as your bird thrower are. That's right. Um, Andrew, you know, he, he knows every dog that we're running on my truck knows. I don't even have to tell him, you know, hey, get ready to help this dog. Or today we were doing one in route, and he knew the three dogs I wanted him in route before I even said it. You know, and that's right. that's crucial in knowing when to, when to help them, when not to help them. Um, so it's uh, – And that invaluable. comes from experience, but he's been around the block for a while with you, and so thank you for being here. Big Sweat, Big Andrew Floyd, shout out. Get some. Get some. He was doing deadlifts in my yard today. He's crushing it. Losing losing some weight. Pushing pushing hard. I'm proud of him. He's kicking some tail. Especially after a long day. The last thing I would have wanted to do after today. We were from we were up at five fifteen and we got home at seven. And Big Sweat's like um, uh, I think I'm gonna go hit the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go uh, throw some weight around. Like, dang, son. I'm gonna drink me a couple beers. <laughs> well we just we'll got pizza. in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> But no, good good to have you here, Andrew. Thanks for coming and uh, all the hard work. We appreciate you. Um, all right, let's get into. We we haven't had a podcast in a little while, and so I apologize. Kevin apologizes. We've been busy. It's hunt test season. It's I am a little bit overloaded here. We're we're working a lot of dogs, and we're working, and so sometimes it's kind of <laughs> hard to like you know sit down and bang one out so yep. it's been a been a little while we're glad to be back so thanks for your patience on that but uh we've had a single master test which i feel like every spring we have a podcast called humble pie yeah where it's just humble pie old, this is 2021 yeah humble pie 2021 get kicked in the guts where dogs you expect to pass who are above what you're going like, it's kind of like playing sports, right? If you're the 16-year-old and you're playing with the 20-year-olds, you're going to play to that level and you're going to be good. Uh, if you're the 20-year-old playing with a bunch of 16-year-olds, you're probably going to kick their butt, and I hope so. And I, I, some of my dogs who failed were those 20-year-olds, and they should not have failed. And they did. They broke. Uh, one went out on a watermark. That, it was really hard, but totally doable, and it came down to her lack of effort yeah. uh, like the grit the guts the determination to look out and find that you know where i was pointing her and convincing her hey good right there good 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 send her and she just went right into the water and swam to no man's land i'm like well okay come on in 
there was some meat to those tests as well. I well, mean, that was the first test that you weren't at. Okay. Okay. So that was a kick in the guts. That I think I failed. I think I took seven or eight master dogs and only passed. I think I took seven and passed four. Three failed. Two for breaking. One for being in. In our good friend Lau Steinman calls it gutless. They're gutless. She was gutless on that moment. So it happens. Stuff is hard, and, you know, they're a dog. They're going to be a dog. And then uh, the senior dogs I was super proud of. We you got, had a bunch of senior dogs at that time, right? Who, well, who are your senior dogs you're running? So we've got sweet girl Lizzie, who's around Quinn's age, and she's been with me for a long time. Great. Her owner's a, uh, become a, a dear friend. And... uh the senior dogs, I couldn't be more proud. They're all jacked. They're all none of them are like lazy. None of them are boring. They're like, let's go, baby. Send it. And the composure in the holding line, the composure on the walk-ups, the composure on the live flyers, the composure during the blinds could get better. But for a senior dog, I was super pumped. Super pumped. So they all passed. And then my junior dog there, sweet girl Maya, uh, she passed. Um, so all in all, like, you know, to go to a master test with seven dogs, I was real proud of. And then to come away with only four passes was like humbling, shitty, quite frankly. That would be the word I'd use. That's not my normal average right. or percentage of pass rate, right? So we came back, um, and this is where Oliver and the pterodactyl, Blaine Tarnecki. We all rode up to Maryland again. I rode down, and we all met up um, to Elkton, Maryland. First time I'd been there. How about you? Second time. We came two summers ago. Blaine and I came up. Oh, was, thanks for the you, invite. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> you, you guys from the south came up. But, yeah, it's the second time, and beautiful grounds. I think it's Rebel Ridge Retrievers. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, beautiful grounds. Phenomenal. And that's the amateur, I believe, that owns those grounds. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm, must be nice. No, they're they're – Ponds were to die for. The they're rolling, beautifully cut fields, and the judges set up some hum dingers. Master one, so it was a double master. So master one, uh, May came into heat, and Memphis qualified for master national. So I only had five dogs run. Master one, we passed all of them, and I was so proud. Hunter, Amber, Sam, Kuma and who else helped me cruise cruise mama cruise yep all of them looked really 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 good and then you know in a double master and let's talk about this like it's a lot it is a lot on a dog and typically down south for us they'll do a double master friday saturday and sunday where the last two that we've ran up here have been saturday and sunday yeah i ran four series as on Sunday. That's a lot on a dog as well as a young dog. Yeah. Composure. Um, some of my dogs got more cranked up. Right. Other dogs, you could see them physically tired. Right. The heat, the swims, the mental strain, you could see them come out of the box and they're like, we just ran 15 minutes ago. You're bringing me to another flight and pulling me out right now? You could see it. They were tired. But then, you know, bang, a freaking gun goes off and a duck flies out. I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. Right. Um, but 
yeah, it was it was tough. And Master Two, man, I'm having a hard time not swearing. Can before <laughs> be, yeah, before we even do that, is there anything you can do or, or that you two do do to train for that? Kevin just said do do for yep. a double master. Well, just for like when the dog is tired and exhausted, and it's like we got to get up and go. Like, is there anything that you do? I th- I think for us, it's no different than when we're getting ready for the grand That's or right. master national. It's condition the dogs, road them. Um, you know, I mean, just get them as in shape as they can. I, I know for us, you know, it's ninety something degrees back home. Um, so it's been nice on the dogs coming up here. Um, versus if you're going the opposite, if you're going like for Bob, if he came down south right now. That heat, kill him. yeah, that heat would be a completely different story for his dogs. Yeah, how do you usually do? You usually travel up north when it's this hot down there. Um, in the pre, well, last year with COVID, obviously we didn't. Year before yeah. we did, just really just chasing the master national qualifications and who needs it. And um, you know, down south, I think there's a few tests around Alabama, um, maybe some in North Carolina the last month, but now it's starting to. It's kind of getting slim, slim pickings, and it's and getting harder to get into tests, which sure. is yeah. is causing the the big problem. But to answer your question, Kevin, what did we do to prepare the dogs? Nothing, just train. Um, I did a lot of drills to tighten them down the week before, especially coming off of a, a gut check humble pie, where I had dogs break that should never break. Um, you know, blow me at one. You know, Hunter, God bless him, he's young. And full of piss and vinegar. Blew me off on a extremely difficult blind. Like, probably one of the harder blinds I've ran in a master test. This is last last week's? And the last it, weekend's? Oh, shoot, yeah. But either way, the point is, I was tightening the screws down. You know, maybe I was being a little too nice. Maybe I was being a little too, like... not. I'm always nice, but, like, you know... You might let things slide because they just hammered something else. Um, where now I was starting to nitpick a little bit. And they know better, so it's okay to me within uh, a degree. You know, if you overdo it, you're going to create problems. But, you know, start nitpicking them. You know, and, and I was really tightening them down. And then we came back and had a really good showing, and I was, I was proud of them. I think for us, we, we came a month ago up to Delaware to run another double master. Um, and both times we've come up a day before and had the opportunity to train um, in Maryland for a day beforehand. Nothing crazy hard, but just getting them up here off the road, you know, it's 10 hours for us, 11 hours after we stop with the dogs. So being able to come up a day before and let them relax, let them run around, train like a normal day, and then just drive an hour to the test, I think, has made a huge difference. That's a great point. Um, that's a really good point. I mean, my dogs traveled seven seven hours, aired, put up, wake up the next morning, air, and run a big test. And they were freaking ready. Right. And and they all know when they're at the oh, test. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, they're like, you open their box and they're like, <laughs> no e-collar, no healing stick. Come on, baby, come on, baby. Let me add them live flyer. See ya. Yeah, that's what happened in the Humble Pie test. So this week, Oliver's been here, and one of the things, I've done it before, and I think we talked about it the other night over a a glass of whiskey uh, for a while. Right. I've done it before. It's called reverse momentum, reverse healing. 
um, where you're not putting pressure technically on the dog. Right. Healing stick, e excuse me, e-collar. Using your voice. Using your voice. Like the tools of the trade, you're not doing. And so, you know, we, we were working the dogs coming off of a hunt test where they're level 10 jacked. Plus, we got his truck and trailer making noise, my truck and trailer making noise. You know, Andrew's here. We did a live flyer day. Like, you know, we got a, a lot of things moving and shaking. My buddy Tony Carlo trained with us. And he, the dogs that are my fire-breathing dragons, my, my firecrackers, the hunters, the Aries, the, the drakes, the Lincolns, you know, man, sometimes the healing stick, it definitely works. Same with, with the, the collar. Um, same with like, Hey, no, pick that bird up. You know, all the normal things that you've heard us talk about in the last 150 episodes or whatever, not that many, but close. And, and if things aren't working, we've got to try other methods. And so what I'd like you maybe to describe in your words, right? There's different ways to do this, right. which we've talked about. Right. There's other people that have a little bit different way, but this way has worked for you. Right. And, and so we're trying it with these guys. Now, tomorrow, the day before a hunt test, I'm probably going to go back to my old way. Right. Just because I feel good about it. I'm going to get that stick out, the old lone stick. Right. But I'm committing for the rest of the summer with those dogs to try this, and I want you to explain to everybody what we're talking about. So what Bob's talking about, the reverse momentum, um, I've learned, I can't remember who exactly taught me or really learned it. I learned it when I worked for Colby. Um, there's a few different ways you can do it. I've seen other people do it. Um, reverse momentum is obviously if you have a dog, probably the ones you're talking about, who are jumping forward, they're creeping. Um, and basically what we do is we start it from an early age. Oh, and I might interject real yeah. quick. They really don't move a lot in training. Correct. But at the test, they're a little bit more jumpy. Okay. So I feel like adding that in because you can't really make a, a hard correction on a dog that didn't do anything. Right. But in a test or a live flyer day, they do. Right. So go so, ahead. So so we started with obedience. Um, when we're walking a dog at heel, just doing, you know, the old walk on a leash, back up. The dog has to follow us. We, you know, we pull on the choke chain or we'll apply e-collar pressure. Um, and so we teach all our dogs, just like probably you do when you're walking on a leash, if you slow down, you back up, the dog follows you. Uh, we don't give another verbal command. We, we just teach the dog, hey, when I back up, you follow me. Um, and that's just walking about around the obedience area. Then that transfers out to the field. Uh, we're walking up to the line. There's, you know, they see Andrew out there, whoever's throwing birds, and they're pumped up. And we should be able to back up, dog follow us. And so what we do, and it seems to work for us, is We'll be up at the line. Um, we can be on a place board. We can be on a mat. We can just be on the grass. And if I have a, a dog that's super focused on the marks, maybe a little bit movie, um, once that bird hits the ground, I let them focus on it, and I just back up. Um, Silently, like slither away. Just, yeah, very slow. I'm not clicking my fingers. I'm not tapping my leg. Um, and over time, they learn to follow me. Um, I've had dogs that just you know, they break or they're creeping and we just back up and we can just sweat them out. Um, some people will take the dog completely off the line, put them in the box, get them out and basically teach the dog that when the dog does not back up, once it finally does, it gets a bird. Um, and so we, we've tried that with a bunch of dogs. Um, I've got a dog that we ran the double master in this past weekend who was extremely, you know, she's jacked up. Oh, big Bonnie. Big Bonnie. 
Um, you know, she's a young dog, she, and she's not, knock on wood, she's typically not a dog that's just going to jump out three or four feet, but she moves a foot in, or six inches, and that's more than I want. Um, and so even at a test, I'll do that with her. If she sees a mark go down and it's the last bird and the, the judge says, dog, I'm backing up. Once she's seen the mark and I'm going to wait, I will say heal at that point just, you know, to expedite the process. But I let her know, you don't go get a bird until you reheal and sit down. Um, so we do that with our dogs. It seems to work. Um, I think from a overall standpoint, most of our dogs are fairly still at the line. Obviously, you get the, the ones that love it a little bit more than the others, and, and they're, trying, right. they're trying to catch it with their mouth. So, yeah, yeah, no doubt. So I'll, I'll kind of walk through what we did with Hunter. Okay. So... Live flyer day. Yep. was yesterday. Mm-hmm. We had a big live flyer across a pond. Andrew was was man the shotgun shooting Kent. Baby. How'd he shoot him? Well. Didn't miss. <laughs> never missed because we plucked the flight feathers and shackled. zip tied their. Yeah, we, we shackled them up. So he couldn't miss because he technically wasn't hitting them. But we were shooting Kent. Baby. It was My scaring him to death. <laughs> All right. That's what happens. Uh, so, and he, he did, he jumped. It was like three inches. Right. And normally I would have sticked him and probably picked it up and, and told him no. And he wouldn't have gotten the reward of the retrieve. I feel like that's my general rule of thumb or no here with a little collar pressure or like it's all in the heat of the moment. I can't even explain what I would have done now because I'm thinking in my head like, nah, I don't even know if I did. Because he only took like a quarter inch. But I'm like, this son of a... Hmm. Right. And you're like, here's what we're going to do. Andrew's going to throw another one. And when he's focused on it, you just walk away. And and that dog sat there and stared at that bird on the ground. Didn't move a muscle. But didn't wait for me. He didn't look at me to say, hey, we're a team... I need to be with him so that we can both get this bird. He was like, F you. I'm waiting for you to say my name. Right. And so we started out, like, at that point, like, I, I think it was like a low one, medium one, high one, continuous, low two. And then all of a sudden you saw his ears twitch, and he kind of looked back at me, and he's like, shit, what are you doing back there? And then he looked back at the bird. And then he looked back at me, and he flew back to me, sat down. I pet him, calmed him down. Good, good. Sent him. Hammered the mark, right? Like, marking ability isn't their problem. It's composure at the line. It's composure throughout the work. They're so excited. And you're you're teaching them, in order to go forward, you've got to come back. Or be with me. Correct. Realistically, just be with me. And if I'm not with you... You get nothing. So then we do. We did it for every mark since we started it. Every mark I've backed up. And now today, you know, he'd see the mark go down. And all of a sudden, I'm behind him. And he'd look back at me. Come on back. Sit down. Pat him. Good. Good. Send him. And three dogs picked up that real hard bird clean. Right. Hunter, Memphis, Reba, and Reba. Shout out Jeff Enlow. Yep. No big you know, deal. And, and it's one of those things, it it may work, 
today and tomorrow, and you go to the test this weekend, and it all goes out the window. And it, well, that's why I'm going to the old healing stick tomorrow because yeah. I don't. I mean, yeah. I trust what you're saying, yeah. but well, in, in three days I ain't fixing it. No, and that's with us. You know, we we don't really use a healing stick at all at the line. We no. we just back up, sit down, um, and you know, again, you've got to remember our dogs. That's how they're brought up. It's not something we taught in two days, you know, which I think we both talked about and know yeah. that. So it'll be interesting to see how he acts to the test, and I'm sure we'll talk about it next week. Yeah, good point. We'll talk. We'll we'll revisit it. I, I think what what I'm expecting is this is not a quick fix. This is the quote unquote passive way to work through a problem without having to use physical correction, whether it's verbal leash, stick, or collar. It's uh, technically a very passive way. And when when it clicks in their brain and it's ingrained in their brain, I think it's a really cool thing. And so we're going to work on it. Rest of the summer, I'm going to do this. And if by September ain't working, <laughs> then that's different. But I can't – one little tip here that I want everybody to remember is I'm committing to doing this for several months. I'm not going to see perfect results immediately. When you do something, when you're training, nothing happens overnight. They don't learn T-pattern in two days. They don't learn swim by in two days. He's not going to learn reverse healing, reverse momentum, you know, all that stuff in two days. It's going to be, do you have your mic on? Okay. No, I was going to say, and I don't just putting that out there we don't do this on every mark with every dog or like bonnie for example exactly. not, every, not every, if we throw 50 marks in you know however many weeks or whatever it may be that's not every mark we're backing up uh, agree. That, just so everyone knows that. yeah that's a good point thank you yeah great point but if she were to take she, a scoot forward you're gonna i'm either gonna back. back up take her off the line or back up if she comes back and send her All right and you've got to fill out the dog and see what what works for them and what doesn't yeah yeah, I've got a Patreon member. His name is Tyler, and we were talking about that today. He's got a vocal female. Um, I know that all too well. Yeah, we all do. Everybody's got one or five. And, uh, you know, a lot of what I had originally, you know, coached him on is, man, she's got to earn that mark. Again, the old Stephen Durrance talked me through this. Earn that mark. Well, what does that mean? That means if you don't walk up nice, you don't get a bird. If you don't sit down nice, you don't get a bird. If you don't come out of the holding blind nice, you don't get a bird. If you make a squeak at the line, you don't get a bird. Make them earn it. The only way they earn it is being calm and chill and sitting calmly and walking calmly, and then they get their bird. And me and Hunter and Lincoln and Aries, we've practiced all that. We've done a lot of we've done a lot of pressure, which sucks. And I'm tired of it. And if if it's not working, let's read look at things. And it is working. I would say it is working, and but, for the, but for there the, are things that are not great about it. Right. And you're like going to that vocalization. For the amateur that trains and has one dog and puts out three wingers, that's probably the hardest thing, movement oh, and braking, yeah. because, you know, you, you got to pull them off the line. You've got to put them up. I mean, when I first got into all this with Willow, I went. I used to go to a guy's house and who could, um, and train and literally would drive 40 minutes to train with him let Willow see three or four marks and pull, pick, pick her up, put her in the box. I, you know, most of the time I wouldn't even run her. Um, and we tried that for months and months and months, and it worked. And With her, it, it didn't really fix the problem, but it managed it. Yeah. So shout out to all the amateurs that, you know, that ha- go through that and, and have, have the patience to, 
hey, okay, you want, you know, because it's so easy to put up three wingers and dog creep just a little bit, and you're like, eh. I don't feel like walking out right, there. Right, exactly. Yeah. Now, I'll, I'll caveat that with it's a nice thing to have a, if, you're, if your dog's running blinds, it's a nice thing to have a blind out there. So if they do creep, you can make a little correction. You can get them to settle. No, here, run a blind, and then they get rewarded with the bird. So that would be, if your dog's at that level, that would be one way to work on that. Right. Cool. Cool. All right, let's get into, we had a bunch of Patreon questions come in. Kevin's going to rip through a few of them. Um, We call this shot for shot, Oliver. Okay. Um, So first, let's do a little uh, here. Cheers. It's adorable. That. Cheers. Cute. Yep. Uh, go ahead, Kev. Who's yeah. it from? Our, our friend Jeff, uh, Jeff Bull, uh, wrote in. Georgia guy, lives near Blaine. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? Nice. Um, I can't keep track of where everybody lives. And oh, you know, I'm pretty good at it. Well, so these are people on the Patreon, not yeah. Instagram. Yeah, be patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters. Uh, see what I did there? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I love it. Good job. <laughs> uh, but really, thank you, Jeff. Uh, and he said... And I think this kind of ties in nicely. Great segue. Uh, what are some things that you do to promote trust and teamwork with your dog? Because I, I do feel like this kind of works in that. So for us, trust and teamwork. I would say, you know, we're a small kennel. Uh, it's me and Andrew. And we're there airing. We're there feeding. We're there, you know, playing with the dogs, working with the dogs. So we're always the ones that have our hands on them. Um, as far as trust for us, I think that can come from, you know, we do a bunch of just obviously ride them on the floor or take them to the pond, play around. And then from a training aspect, um, I'm big on confidence. You know, my dogs know with me, at least we try to, that, hey, you know, if we, we put a lot of buckets out on poles and teaching the dogs, hey, when I cast you left or when I cast you right, I'm not lying to you. Trust me. And we'll both get there. And, you know, you work with me, I work with you, and we try to keep a good balance on that. Um, so, so I think that's how, for us, how we build trust um, from a training aspect as well as just around the kennel. So another great segue. I mean, come on. Uh, buddy Jacob said, uh, what are some ways that you – what are some of the drills that you use to build confidence on your marks? On so you marks? Talk, yeah, so you talked about building confidence in dogs and that being like a big thing for you – communicating with the dogs and and wanting the dogs to work with you not for you okay what are some drills you use to to do that for marks so for us with marks we do a lot of you know and again depends on you know if he's wanting puppies or transition dogs or match level dogs but all around the board um let's just say transition dogs well with those ones we're going to do a lot of in route um we will throw to white buckets with poles for our young dogs um all right, slow down. Explain it. Explain the buckets and poles. Um, so this is something I learned from training with Mark Patton. Um, and what, what he did when I was with him with derby dogs uh, was, you know, he so your typical bird boy out there behind a holding blind or on the four-wheeler, um, and they would throw a mark to a white pole, just something you'd get from Tractor Supply in a you know, half-gallon or five-gallon bucket. Um and what we do as a young puppy is we teach that puppy to associate that white bucket with where the bird is. So you can, you know, over time, take that puppy anywhere in the field. And obviously there's limitations to that. But when, say, Andrew throws a bird, white bumper, 
um, you know, milk jug, boat buoy, something thrown to that bucket. The dog sees the bird, sees the bucket, and hey, I keep my head up, I get to that bucket, boom, I'm there. Um, and so we kind of do the same thing, even with our some of our old dogs. If we have a tough, we did it with Bob when we first came here this week. We had a, um, what do we do, a long water single with a, we did, it was a poison bird, threw the mark, note off of it, ran a blind, and came back, and the mark was actually to a bucket. And we we're running master level dogs on that, and some saw it and some didn't. Yep. Mine saw it. <laughs> New property. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing you. Yeah. But, oh yeah, but no, yeah, that I mean, was cool. I don't know I, if that answers this question. But no, it does, but yeah, it, 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 it does. definitely does. I feel like so. I would let's let's break it down. Let's break it down real quick. Okay, young, young, young. Okay, puppies, white bumpers, white bumpers, short grass, possibly three inch if they're big enough. Correct. But we want them to mark the in, area of the fall and find the bumper there. We in don't, or out. Yeah, so they call it the fire drill. And we've got a, a video on our YouTube channel that kind of shows it and some of the pitfalls of like bird boy helping too much, bird right. boy not helping enough, whatever. Um, but extending the distance he'll go and being confident driving to it. Um, but you're not, if you're doing marking, don't think of it like you're teaching that dog to hunt. Right. You're teaching them how to mark an area of a fall. So don't go to knee-high, hip-high grass, hay, and throw a bird 60 yards for your young dog. They're going to run amok, hunt their butts off, and probably come up with it, but it's going to be what we would refer to as a gut hunt. They're just hunting their guts out, and it's ugly. If you want to build confidence in their marking ability, you want shorter grass, white bumpers, or a bird if they're good with it, Okay. Um, go to the area, find it. Bird boy help is essential. If you don't have a bird boy, wingers are fine. Uh, they're real good. I mean, I've we were talking about today. Like, I've trained a boatload of master hunters when I didn't have a bird boy and we just used wingers. Hats off to you for that. Yeah, it was a pain in the a, but you can get it done. Oh yeah. Um, we, we did a lot when I started. Um, teaching dogs to sit on a place board and, and me walk out there when I didn't have a bird boy every day. That's right. Um, you know, if they could, dog could run a blind, I would go out in the field, throw to say a bucket, and I would have a bucket back at the place board where the dog was running. I'd send them. They'd run to the bucket or, or just a mark. It didn't have to be to a bucket. And they'd pick it up, come to me. I'd take the bird. I'd turn right back around and I'd point them at the place board they originally left from that had a pole in a bucket behind it. And we'd run it as a blind. And as soon as they get to that bucket, doot, sit. And I'd walk somewhere else and throw another mark no way um and that the things we did but it i'll tell you that definitely those dogs learned how to run blinds really well and they trusted me yeah and they knew um and it you know it it helped um and then going into the transition dogs um you want to segue that too yes the segue would be now we we don't have a puppy anymore now we've got a eight month old to two year old yeah i would say we're extending marks. We're adding more factors, side hills, different cover terrain changes, water features, um, just more challenges out there. Poison birds. Sure. Multiple. But but I want to make the, kind of like a general rule of thumb would be hard to get to, 
but easy to find or easy to get to, hard to find. You didn't come up with that, did you? No. No, no, no. That's been passed down from years of other people. Right. But think of it like that. If I've got a really challenging mark where they've got to really push themselves to get to it, I don't want them to hunt, 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 hunt when they get there. Right. If they get there, I want to be like, oh, dang, look at that bird right there. Right. Because they've already succeeded at the challenge in between them and the bird. Your battle was what was before it. If you've got a pretty flat field, let's say for 150 yards, and then you've got a patch of thick hay, right? I might throw it in the thick hay, and then they just travel through the short grass, and then now they got to hunt the hay, right? Like That would be a mini example of easy to get to, hard to find. Um, but we want to build confidence. I, I'm totally cool with a bird boy helping out I want them to learn how to hunt. I want them to stay in the area. If they leave the area, my bird boy is going to help them. Um, if they're hunting the area, hunting the area, hunting the area, hunting the area, I'm going to let them hunt the area. But if they bail out and hunt way too big, I'm probably just going to do like, hup, hup, get them back in there. Oh, they turned. Just quiet, quiet. Like if they turn, if he, if Andrew's out in the field and he says, hey, hey, and they turn, whip around and start heading back to the area, all right, sh- quiet, quiet. Don't move. Or maybe it's just two steps towards the bird. Um, but we're just aiding the dog just enough to get him to be successful. And that success builds success. Failure builds failure. Positivity builds positivity. Negativity builds negativity. We want to build, for the most part, success on top of success. Right. They've got to learn through failure. and We've got to push them through failure. You've got to have a good balance as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. What else you got there, big dog? Uh, this one's for Oliver, Doctor Berman. Uh, Doctor Berman. Why did you come up with that? Because he was out there doing surgery, cutting oh, your finger on off. my finger. Yeah. yeah, my finger really hurts. FYI. Yeah, freaking feels like fire ants all over it. Well, little cephalexin never hurt nobody. Well, we'll find out. Uh, TJ, uh, you were like I said, I don't remember where everybody lives, but. So anyway, TJ's got to be down south or in, in the heat somewhere. TJ asks for tips of training in the heat. We get this question quite a bit. Um, as a, a southerner, do you have any advice? He asked, if you have to train in the heat, can't go up north, things like that, what drills or setups do you run? And do you change your feeding and water regimen when the training in the hotter or high humidity climates is like just what you have to do? So... We feed once in the morning, or, well, in the morning and at night. Uh, we normally do a cup in the morning and then whatever that dog gets for the remainder of the day in the evening. Um, one thing that we like to do in the summertime is air them. Obviously, say we're, we're pulling the field at, I don't know, or pulling back into the kennel at 6 o'clock. We'll air them for 30, 40 minutes, put them up, let them rest for 30, 40 minutes, and then we'll come back up and feed and maybe air them one more time. Um, water regimen. And the importance for that is because of bloat. Correct. If, if you have a dog that's breathing heavy is already mildly overheated just from romping around in the airing yard and you give them three, four cups of food and a, and a, and a bowl of water, of water right. you're likely to have an incident with bloat. And I don't remember the scientific term for bloat. Gastro yeah. something, something. Can you explain Patri- to people what it is? Gastro, patreon.com, forward I think is the scientific term. Something like that. Something like that. But... It's called bloat. If you Google bloat, 
it happens with larger breed dogs and it's when they've got a full belly and have either exercised just before they ate or exercised after they ate and gases build, stomach flips, blood stops going to the stomach and they die. Right. You can, if you catch it real quick, you're good. Maybe if you catch it 30 minutes late or once you put them up and go in for the night, which is typically where people have problems. Right. So that would be why you rest them. Yep. Um, I'm not from the South, but what I'm thinking of with the heat is work early and work late. And in the middle of the day in that heat, 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 just put them up, relax, get them in the shade. If you notice your dogs wobbly or lacking focus or you know how they'll breathe through their mouth, right? Like instead of like, yeah, you panting, can see the back of their throat. You can see the back of their throat and their mouth is gaping like an alligator. Right. You're on the verge of overheating. And so so what we do, um, obviously, yes, you know, start early, which we're doing that no matter if it's hot or cold. But going forward from the summertime, you know, we're making sure we're parked under a tree. We're tying, we're not running the dogs and putting them right back in the box. We're tying them out, you know, and it may be have two or three tie-out stakes on the trailer or off, you know, away from the trailer and or chain gang like you use um, and just letting them cool out that way. Um, an old field trial guy I was talking to a few months ago at a hunt test, you know, he was, we were talking about going up north and this for us is our first northern trip um, that we've taken as a kennel. And so, you know, previous years we've been at home. And, you know, one thing he said was, he said, Oliver, he said, you know, if you have the ability, even if you want to run land that day, throw a mark in the water first, not last. And dry them off. And dry them off. And as they're running, it's the cooling system. That's right. Um, And, you know, that's, and he's been around for a long time and that's, that's what he does down south. He doesn't go north. And, um, you know, I think, I think it it helps and it definitely works. And, um, I do that too. But I think a lot of people do the opposite. I think they, you know, they throw oh, two they, or three yeah. marks and then they say, all right, let's cool them off and throw them in the water. And, uh, you know, you're just as hot. And then going back into what, you know, some other things, you know, especially with a transition dog, if you're going through T work or if you're going through swim by or, you know, you're doing down the shore drills, if you get into battle, you know, you got to be careful. Don't push it. You know, if you're having a big issue with a dog, you see him getting hot, you know, take take the loss sometimes and, and, and try it later or, or get him out of the situation and, and put him up. That's right. Yeah, read the situation. Um, drill. What are some maybe quick drills that someone could do to beat the heat? Wagon wheel, for one. Um, we do a kind of a three-bumper down the shore. Uh, you know, one twenty-five percent of the way down the shore, fifty percent away, and one at the very end. It's a pretty quick drill. We did that this morning up here while you were doing force fetch. Um, you know, and even even pattern blinds. If you've got a little pattern blind field that your dog knows, and it's hey, I'm coming out and I'm lining five buckets pretty quick, or, or five spots of that dog, and it's not identified. Um, you know, I mean, it may take you five or ten minutes to do it, and hey, you're lining them. Um, so, so for us, we're doing a lot of, you know, a lot of lining pass, a lot of pattern blinds, um, wagon wheel. Yeah. Good job. I dig it. More dogs overheat than die of hypothermia during duck season. Right. Riddle me that folks. Think about that. Training in the summer and dove season are the biggest killers of dogs, not breaking ice and freezing to death. And I, and I advise a lot of my clients, if it's a, opening day in South Carolina last year was, 
90-something degrees. We've got a dove field literally right behind the kennel. We've got clients that come out. And I tell people, look, you know, you can bring your dog, but be careful. We had a dog last year. The guy brought it out, and, it, you know, it didn't – it wasn't when we trained. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and, and it was hunting for a bird and, and kind of was just hunting and hunting and hunting, and I, I could see it getting hot, and I walked over there, and, you know, we took the dog up to the kennel, sprayed the kennel pad off, and, and sprayed the dog down and cooled it down. And, um, you know, for four doves, five doves, or maybe more if you're lucky – it's not worth it to me. I'm going to wait till it's a cloudy overcast day. No doubt. All right. From our Instagram, underscore Southie 10, best ways to fix a loopy sit. Loopy sit. Um, with us, we do a mode path in a hayfield. Um, gives the dogs corridors. I think on your last podcast with Lyle, he talked about that, maybe doing it against a fence line. Um, some guys use a long lead and a, a – just to their collar, I think. We don't we don't use a long lead and tee, but um, I think a lot of people do that. Kind of what we do with our sits, or at least how we teach sit, uh, we've got a path mode through a, a hay field. You know, hay's probably a foot tall. Um, and, we, you know, we send the dog. We kind of jog behind them if they're running to the pile and toot, sit, toot. Um, and just kind of keeping close to them is how we, we correct that, as well as we play a few games with them. We, we'll be, you'll see in the Hillman way. Um, you know, playing beep, beep, beep with the bumper and all of a sudden two dog sits, throw them the bumper, you know, make it fun, make it not necessarily let's fix the loopy sit in single T or yeah. put them against a tree line. So two things, uh, to add to you, I'm with you all the way on what you just said. One thing I learned from big shout out to our, our friends, Adam Campbell and Jimmy Rogers at the dog house with Jimmy and Adam podcast uh, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to now. Um, it's pretty good. It's really good. Yeah. It's really good. They had Adam's mentor, big field trialer, old timer from Canada. Canada. That Lauren Laughlin. I don't remember his last name, but uh, Loris or yeah, yeah, something like that. Anyways, super smart dude. Yep. And he was talking about flipping a bumper out as you're sitting on the whistle. That was in the water. It is on the water Correct. and swim by. But okay. I could totally see how it would help. On land. On land. Mm-hmm. And not do it every time. Right. So almost like they aren't expecting it. But when they do sit, right. toss it. Just like you're saying, like, beep, 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 tweet, throw it. They think they're going out, tweet, throw it. So so when we do tea, we I've have, never done it. I'm just right. saying I, I could yeah. see how... Uh, yeah, when he he made a comment about it, he said, you know, try, like you said, you can try it, see how it works. Um, what we one thing we do in T is we'll have a white bumper in my back pocket, and I'll hold that bumper up in front of my face, and you know, let the dogs focus on it. Yeah. And every now and again, when they sit, nice, they get the bumper. Yeah. Instant gratification. Yeah. Versus just pressure. Now, the last thing I will say is if you are through T pattern, and you're running blinds, and you've got a loopy sit on your blinds. Go back to T pattern, a place where they already know and are already comfortable with, and they aren't worried about right backs, leftovers, leftovers, right backs. They know the whole game. And that's, to me, where you can apply pressure and have it be fair. Because if you, let me, I don't want to finish that. So if I apply pressure in the field on a loopy set over and over and over and over again, then they're like, well, that wasn't right, that wasn't right, that wasn't right, that wasn't right, I give up. And and honestly, I was doing it today. 
and you made a comment like, well, that dog might have not known this and that. And I'm like, fair, but he's not a, a year old dog. Right. He was being a dink. He right. was going in hunt mode and blowing off my whistle. But be that as may, if that was his habit of constantly blowing off my whistle versus just like one bad blind. Right. Well, if you're constantly doing it, you're constantly going to, it's not work. You know, it, it's, it's not, not working. working. So That's right. you need to change up. Okay, if this doesn't work, let's try something else. That's right. And so we would then go back to T-Pattern, a place they understand, and I would make it tweet, sit down. Right. And I would fix that loopy sit on the T-Pattern where they're not worried about right overs and left backs. They know where they're going. In the field on a blind where they have no clue where they're going, they're just trusting you, and you're nicking them every time they stop, every time they move, every time they go this way or they go that way. They're going to end up giving up. They're going to end up popping. They're going to end up having a bad attitude. They're going to get piggy. It's going to be ugly. So break it down. Go back to the T pattern. If you're just starting it and you've got a loopy set, try some of the positive ways with the bumper in your hand or hey, 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 tweet, throw a bumper, stuff like that. That'll really help. Yep. All right, what else you got there, Kevo? We'll do uh, two more, two more. I like this one. This one's interesting. Do you have any thoughts uh, from Lyndon Pearson? Do you have any thoughts on a litter with EIC carrier? So if you were looking to get a new dog. And the puppies had EIC? Or are there carriers for it? Yeah. Like, would I go with the puppy or not? Yeah. For me, and I'm not a a big breeder, um, but as long as I'm not breeding that puppy with, a obviously, a carrier, I mean, I've got dogs that I've, I've I've had a dog that was a carrier for it, and obviously if we bred him and he was we bred him to a clear, um, I you know personally I don't have any problems with it. Yeah, general rule of thumb, uh, clear to clear breeding a clear dog to a clear dog, you're gonna get clear puppies. Right. Breeding a carrier to a clear dog, you're gonna have X amount be clear, X amount be carriers. Right. Now, real quick before we jump. It, EIC is exercise-induced collapse. Their body temperature increases, their work rate increases, and they they don't stroke out, but it's basically stroking out. They like have you seize ever had up. a dog? Nah, but I, I've I got have friends. Have yeah, and it was swimming. Really? So he was overheating in the water and went okay. down. Yeah, yeah, I've, ne- I've seen it on. I've seen it online, but I've never yeah. actually seen a dog. Yeah, it was go a, through it. A buddy, um, and so. With that being said, so exercise-induced collapse, EIC. Um, clear, clear, you're okay. Clear, clear carrier. So that dog carries the gene but is not affected by the gene. And you have to test your puppies out of this litter. That, yep. Correct, just so, you know. Yep, just so the people who are buying it understand and know. Um, but that litter, let's say, is a clear and a carrier. 20% could be carriers, 20 you know 80% could be clear, it could be 50-50, but generally speaking, you're going to have some that are carriers and you're going to have some that are clear. If you were to breed carrier to carrier, you're going to get effective. Yes. You're going to get maybe one clear, maybe. Most are going to be carriers and several will be affected by the disease which is no good no good you don't know when it's going to happen it's bad news bears if i were to be buying a puppy out of a litter that has the potential of being a carrier 
me personally, because my hopes are to breed, I'm going to try and get the clear one. Correct. Because then I have the opportunity to breed to whomever I want, a carrier or a clear, but it's going to leave my palate completely open. Right. If you have just a carrier, no biggie. Dog's still going to be a stud, but now when I want to breed that dog, I've got to be more selective and careful. And that's why just, you know, we get a lot of messages. Hey, I love my dog. Best dog I've ever had. I want to breed breed it, it, and I want a puppy out of it. Okay, Cool, man. Listen, yes. we. You know, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'll give you some guidance, but I'm not going to say no. The things I would say is you want to test for EIC and CNM, central nuclear myopathy. That's like basically muscular dystrophy in dogs, and it'll royally screw your dog up, your puppies, like animal abuse, like terrible to see. You don't want to do that. So make sure that your dog is clear of those things. And if you're a carrier of those things, you better believe that you need to find out if the stud dog or, or female you're breeding to is clear because you do not want affected. And, and you can ask, the I'm sure, the puppy breeders to either do the test for you or you'll pay for a test on the specific puppy you're looking at. True. Yep. So it doesn't bother me to buy a carrier. I just would prefer. If I'm, if I'm in the breeding business, I may stay a little bit away from it. Yeah. I'm doing my best to have all clear dogs. That's just helps keep my options open and it's probably that. best for the breed too correct it is yep go on uh jake mccrory mccrory uh appreciate the question <clears throat> how do you encourage running past an old mark to hit a new one great question big dog you got to do it do it do it do it uh we spent my entire southern trip including at blaine's running marks and blinds through old falls we did it 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 and all of a sudden it became a non-issue so shout out to lone duck kennels none of my dogs broke down on that little scent that you left near the blind day um they just didn't so we set a blind out on land and oliver took a nasty nasty duck and he smeared it in the grass and like hoping that it would catch a dog's scent and you could stop them and handle them out of it. And they really didn't have any issues. They had other issues, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but none of them were like... You're right. Like, and I, I don't think them. I saw really many. I, had one. I think only one. Yeah. Yeah, really only one. And I think it was a young dog. Right. But we've done it so much over the last several months where we were doing inline marks or throw a mark and run a blind through it. Um, legit through it. Right. Um. And so through, through flyer stations, like all of the above. And so how to build confidence on that? So what I did with the young dog was instead of battling her at the line, I walked halfway out to her. That's right. And, you know, gave her verbal back and pushed her through it and she was fun. Yeah. So with what he's saying, distance erodes control. So she was maybe 90 yards away from you. Right. Hung up in this little area where there was duck scent. And instead of battling it at 90 yards... He split the difference and got to 45 yards, tweet, gave a cast, and she was able to go and move through and work through it. So you you shortened the distance between you and right. the dog. You got a little more control over her, and she handled great out of it. And if I was doing that as a mark or through an old fall with a young dog and I could see or Andrew could see him breaking down, we may just step out, hey, hey. That's right. Just hey, hey, an arm, hey, hey, or hey, hey, throw another bird. That's right. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I think what it comes down to is a doing it a bunch, not like we said in the whatever minute it was in here, but like you don't teach that in three sessions. Right. And so one thing we, we will do with our older dogs is like today we ran what three marks on that setup or four marks, whatever it was. Um, we may run all our dogs on that setup, put them up, get them back out, leave all the holding blinds out, leave all the stick men out there, flyer crate, whatever it may be, and put out white poles or run blinds. Um, run blinds through yeah, the setup. No doubt. That's something we're big on. Yeah. I just think, in essence, you have to do it, and you have to do it a bunch, and then it becomes a non-issue. But in the moment that it is an issue, your board, bird boy has to help, or you have to handle the dog out of it and teach them. And that might be a good instance where I might rethrow the mark. So they break down in the previous fall area. Bird boy helps them get out there. They get successful. I might have them rethrow it. And then they blast through the old fall right to the mark. So last one here from River Rat Retrievers. Uh, what have you found to be the best way to teach a dog to hunt a really long time in the area of a fallen mark? Not give up. So I think Bob will probably agree with me on this one. There's a, a drill called is it the dirt clod drill. Yeah. Um, and that's where, I don't know who, is it Farmer or Lardy? I don't know if they necessarily came I up I think with it was Rex Carr. Was it Rex Carr? Yeah, you're right. It was. Um, and what he will, or what he did was throw a mark. And obviously if you have a dog, maybe it's, they do it more on popping, but I think this could work as well as. Popping or giving up. Giving up. So they'll throw the mark and. I don't know, maybe it's if you're doing a poison bird or the dog's going to it, have the bird boy. Well, they would actually use a rope and reel the bird back into the holding blind. And once the dog's out there, it's hunting and hunting and hunting and hunting and hunting and hunting. You know, okay, how long is too long? You know, obviously don't let the dog get overheated. But once the dog wasn't looking in a specific way, and I think this is where it's key to the bird boy, has to be understanding what's going on. When that dog's not looking or going the opposite way, chucks a bird out there. Dog comes back. Oh, there was a bird here. I just had to look a little harder. Yeah, so I think that dirt clod is they would throw a dirt clod instead of a duck. Okay. I don't remember listening to that part, but I mean, right? Like they would see this big ball of uh, brown through the air and it would smash on the ground and be nothing. No? I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong. Then why wouldn't they just call it a, a throw a duck and reel it in, Mark? I don't know. Now But we've done it we've done it with Throwing, like, for example, throwing a bird. Now, here's another thing. Sorry to interrupt you. Salt the area. That's another way to do it, too. Right. Well, I'm, I, I didn't want to no, yeah, it. Yeah. I want you to get back right. on the dirt clod trick. But I want that dog to be successful. I want them to go to the area and find a bird. If they're giving up, they lack guts. Right. Or they lack confidence. Or you're throwing something that's too hard for their britches. You know, whatever it is, there, there's a reason why they're giving up. Right. I, you could do what we're talking about with this dirt clod trick. Or salt the area. Or salt the area. And salt the area means put six or eight bumpers all 10 yards apart. So if it just runs in the general vicinity that it's it saw that, something. it's going to find something. Right. Um, I don't typically like to do it with ducks and have like eight ducks out there. Because right. then you could get... Some weird behavior of like pick one up, pick up the other one, pick up this one. Oh, I ran over here, to, you know, and now they're just dinking around. Right. But it, I will do it with bumpers, and I'll s sprinkle them out there. Um, and that's that's really helped build confidence. Once they 
once they get to that area, they just you, you can't help but run into one. They might be hunting like an idiot. Right. But all of a sudden, don't oh look at that. Oh, hey, what a good dog. Right. And then you go from eight bumpers in that area to four to two to your one. Right. And they don't give up anymore because they know I'm going to find one. Right. But that dirt clod trick, that's more, I think, for popping. Right. And I would say, like, there's a difference between giving up in a young dog than an old dog. Than an old dog. Correct. If it, Leaving the area for an old dog, you know, puppy. Is, like, for instance, Quinn, right. yesterday, she went out on the live flyer. Right. Freaking hammered it till she didn't, and she did one big loop, didn't find it, and started running back in. Hey, hey. That would have been a good idea, yep. but Andrew was asleep. <laughs> I'm kidding. Maybe. We're going to use a bird boy in that. And if you're talking about like but she's that, not a puppy, dude. No, I know, but I'm but still. I'm going to make a correction and say Yeah, I mean, I agree. You can There's pros and cons to both. Right. So what else so what else on, would no, you do? There's pros and cons. Go ahead. I would I mean, and I'm not, again, I don't know Quinn, obviously age, and it just depends on the dog and and what you've tried before, what doesn't work. First of all, she almost never I, I, she's done it once before. So this is not was, a habit. Yeah. That must have been that bird I threw a little hard there, angle back. Maybe. All I know is she gave up. She did not hunt very hard. She ran out, did a loop, and came back and didn't find it. And she was jacked. She saw the live bird, the real shot, and just like, man, I didn't find it. I'm just running around, dicking around. Right. And I I got onto her. Right. I don't Whatever. A, she's mine, and B, you better stay out there and find your duck. Right. Now, once I got onto her, I would have liked to have the bird boy help. So I'm going to teach you coming back to me without a bird is a royal mistake. But I'm also going to do everything in my power to have her be successful. Right. I'm going to be, e- to me, on an older dog, I'm going to be equal at that. If it's a six to a, a year old dog who's still learning marking and still learning all this stuff, I'm going to have bird boy, bird boy, bird boy, bird boy. If they still give up, no biggie. I'm going to walk up. I'm going to make it simpler. I'm going to fix it a different way. But a dog who is basically running master level work and you just run around and do one loop and quit. Mm-mm, not good in my book, bud. Yeah, I think, I think it depends for me personally. I think it depends on the dog and, and I may lean towards more of the, you know, being a nice guy, help them out. And even with a master, I mean, even with a master dog, I may do that, but I agree. If you, All right. We can agree to disagree. We can agree to disagree. Um, yeah, no, we can can't. agree. That's to- stupid. I'd rather have you argue it out and try and figure out, no, no because he doesn't know Quinn too well right. yet. So it's hard And neither does anybody listening, so I think it's helpful to Well, hear. I would say she so in my opinion, because I know her, she was being a wuss and willy nilly out there. And I may stop and recall them all the way in and just rethrow it and see. What are they learning from that? You know what they're learning from getting a correction? But do they understand the correction? I don't care. I think and I'm being facetious because no, I'm, a little, I'm like mildly annoyed with Quinn right now right. thinking about it. But like what you need to learn is do not come back to me without a bird. Right. Now I'm going to give you every chance I can out there with a bird boy. I'm going to, I'm going to have that bird boy help. I'm going to like today she kind of struggled again and it was taking a cast. Like we were doing a difficult watermark and she was having a hard time casting right. a certain way. And as soon as she spun that way, I'm not into him and waving to him, right. and he threw now, another you, bird. And did you handle her to? I don't, and I don't remember Quinn. Did you like? Would you stop and handle to the bird, or or how would you go about correcting it? 
uh, on the one that she was gutless and quit. Yeah. I don't remember what you did. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think I stopped her, put pressure on her with the collar, no back. And at that point, I would have liked bird Someone boy to help. Hey, hey, yeah. Yes. But I'm going to put pressure on you. Now, if they keep coming in, like you said today, okay, keep coming in. And then I'm going to probably put indirect pressure on. They get to me, heel, heel, pressure, 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 walk, 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 sit, throw the bird again. Correct. Go. That would, and, and I mean, dude, this like you could go. We've all trained a lot of dogs, but you know, we're not having both haven't done this for twenty something years. Right. I've seen a handful of dogs with a problem with this, right. and that is how the guys did it. Okay. I would not tell you that Quinn has a problem with this. Right. This is like the second a time random, ever. Random. This is a random thing. So I would rather maybe because it's random, it should have been Bird Boy so, help. So for me, if it's random and not an, a problem, then it I'm going to go the nice way. As and, and, and be the positive and help them because hey, yeah, this isn't point. something you don't normally do. If it's a problem, okay, we need to figure out how do we how do we yeah, correct? Yeah, good point. Fair point. Yeah, I you know the one thing I love about watching you train is you're very pro dog. Right, you're giving that dog a lot of benefits of the doubt. You're willing to help and put aids to build confidence to build. Um, Momentum. Momentum. And and I would, normally I would say I'm the same. But then I watch you and I'm like, dang, it makes me feel like I'm a little tougher on them. Right. But when we train with other guys, I'm the easy one. Right. Well, and I think too, and you can, you know, you can go online and watch oh, videos yeah. and see all different methods and, you know, all the different things that pro dog, you know, made a little, you know, like I just watched the farmer lardy symposium. Yeah, you know, farmers more stick. Yeah, um, lardy's sit more means sit. You move your butt. You're right. Stick. It. You know, and it's not a hard sit. You know, not a whack. Um, but but maybe. I maybe well, but I think too is you've got to find what works for you, what works for your dogs. That's right. But for me, what I take from them, what I take from some of the great trainers that I've had the opportunity to to work for and train with is, uh, and you know, it's. Make sure the dog understands why you're correcting it. So many times you see people burn, nick, whatever it may be, and it just becomes this dog is no clue what's going on. Why am I getting burned? And then you're just opening a can of worms into, you know, have you ever really got onto a dog and, and really been successful at the end of it? Sometimes yes, but I would think most people aren't successful after getting into a, a, a large battle with a dog. Yeah. So for me, I'm going to simplify it, get him out of the situation, and then see where it goes from there. Yeah, I think that's really wise words, man. I think, I think, if we have to break down the last three days we've trained together, out of the fifteen dogs I have that are handling, right. twelve of them, pretty easy on. Right. Then there's three a-holes right. and I, I'm, I've tried the nice way or out. I've tried, you put a white pole in a bucket, every one of those sons of guns lined it right? because they've gotten that trick. But then when you take the white pole away, they might be slipping whistles, right? They might be 
I see a, a picture. I'm going to what I know, but really I need him to take an angle back somewhere completely different. And in the grand scheme of things, if I blow a whistle, when you run a blind, right. what is a blind to you? In its simplest form. Well, I'm confused on exactly what you're looking for. Obedience. As far as, yeah, I tell you where to go. And you go. You go. If I tell you to sit, you sit. Right. If I tell you this way, go this way. And, it's and just I, obedience. It's right. just control. Right. And that's why a lot of dogs who are bad markers are good blind runners because they want to be told where to go. Right. And vice versa. And vice versa. The good markers don't want to be told where to go because they know where to go. Right. I, you know, you're talking about the white bucket and the pole and the dog's just basically blowing your whistle off. For us, and it, it's just, it's just the way we've had it. I very rarely have had a dog do that. Now, in single T, we use a pole, we use a bucket. Me too. And so, I don't know if it just, I don't know. I, I don't know no, if, me it, too. if it's the way we teach sit, but I mean, Could be. I very rarely have an issue with a dog just saying, running to a pole and bucket 50, 100 yards away and just saying, screw you, I don't hear it, I'm digging. Um, really? And I don't know, I, I don't know if it's just the way we teach sit, if it's, Maybe. I don't know. I just think, I, and it could I just would err on the side that majority I haven't. There's just there's the, that one or two that do. It's just that one or two that are like, no, I know where I'm going. Right. I see the white. Right. And, and I guess it's no different, too, than you see at hunt tests where we were talking about the other day. Dog smells the bird. You blow that whistle five seconds before they see that bird, and then you end up going, yeah, yeah, yeah. The old hunt them up whistle when they are. You look like the judges. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now we do have a great drill on our Patreon that shows uh, something. I'm gonna work. Uh, I'm gonna show you it tomorrow, yeah, maybe. I've never, I've never seen it done. Yeah, it's a cool drill. It's not for everyone's eyes. It's not for YouTube. It's only for our Patreon guys and gals. Um, but it's a cool drill that that's fun, quick, and, and what everyone was talking about that summer heat. Is it, it on there already? It is. Okay. Yeah, nice. and we were doing it in the winter time. It was cold as hell. We had a freaking flurries. We were Kevin doing it in a filming. blizzard. We were filming, and I had I had I had an umbrella under my truck seat. So yeah, I was shielding the snow from uh, from yeah. hitting the camera. But it can only be seen on the Patreon because it's uh, secret it's little, sauce. I think it's a little secret sauce. Yeah. Um, so you heard it there, folks. Join yeah. the Patreon. Yeah, no need to really plug it anymore. But but Ollie, <laughs> I think I think. Uh, what I've loved, first of all, what I love about you is is your story, and we kind of got into it in the first episode, which maybe, Kevin, while we're he and I are talking, you can scroll back and find out what episode if you want to learn more about his come-up story, but I've known you for a long time, and I respect you a ton, and like, not, I like learning from other people. Right. I really, really enjoy getting new perspective and trying new things and seeing what others see and and putting that into play. Just like that reverse momentum we were talking about in the beginning of the podcast. Like 100%, I'm going to fully commit to those high drive. I'm going to do it with Quinn too. Right. Quinn is very much throw the bird, I'm going to get it. Um, well, and, and, I, and I think it goes, as anyone, you've said it before on the podcast that I've heard, is if you train with someone, whether they're good, bad, great, if you can pick one thing from them, you don't have to take everything. You know, you may see 10 things I do and say, you know, I don't like any of that, but we're going to try this one thing. Um, 
you know, and I, I made a comment to you earlier too about having too much information where you're trying too many different yeah. techniques and your dogs, you know, you, you're doing too, diff- too, di- too many different programs. That's right. But I, th- I see the benefit of the buckets and I'm a, on this podcast. Everybody knows that I use white poles. Right. And I think and a lot of people nowadays do. I mean, it's, it's, I it's, it's come, it's a lot of people have started over the last few years doing it. Yeah. It's, it's so great for confidence. Um, so great for confidence. I'd like to actually, before we end the show, I know we're getting close to our time here, but talk about that three to five bucket drill that you do. I walked out into the backfield this morning or yesterday morning. I blacked out. I have no idea. These days are starting to blur, but you were doing it with young dogs just off a tee. Correct. So they have, they're not so, blind running dogs. Right. So, well, these ones were, but yes, we, we teach this after tee work. So we do, you know, you're forced to pile, single tee, double tee as well. And once we're done with the single T or double T, we will go into a three bucket drill. So to put it in easy terms for the listeners, um, short grass, short grass, um, you're sitting, we'll just say the football field, you're sitting at the 25 yard line in the center of the field, looking back towards field goal. Okay. Got that picture in your head. Yep. There's a bucket right below the field goal. So in the center of the end zone. Okay. Yep. You've got a bucket at the far left side if you're looking at the field goal far left side of the end zone far right side of the end zone those three buckets are all in a line so you've got say 25 yards from each bucket uh we will put you know i don't know five ten bumpers at each one of those buckets we teach it uh you know the first day out we take one bumper and we throw it to that left bucket back throw it to that we do it four or five times go to the middle bucket teach it throw it just like you maybe you would teach your overs your back starting out or your pile uh so we do left middle right or it doesn't really matter the specific order and then over a sequence of days, um, we will basically just get the dog lining all three buckets with, you know, we'll have four or five bumpers out there. Left, middle, right, middle, left, just any sequence you want to do. Yep. Um, and then we will sit the dog down halfway between me and the middle bucket. So, like, if you imagine that's like your T-work, you know, your back pile. We sit them down halfway. We throw a bu- bumper to the left bucket, left angle. So, we're, so we're teaching angles. Left angle. Throw a bumper to the right bucket, teaching right angles. We can do left backs, right backs within it. And so then once we've taught them all the casts, it's the same methods of teach. It's, 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 yeah. it's, it's how you teach the same way. And then by the end of it, the end goal is to be able to sit back at 25, 50 yards. And I, and I do it short with my young ones, 25 yards. I think this morning we were probably yeah, 20 yards. Tight. Um, you know, line the left, line the middle, line the right, send to the middle, stop, cast, left angle, stop, right angle. Um, you can do angles, you can do backs, you can send to the left bucket, stop them and give them a left back or a right back if you really want to test them where they've got to look past that middle pole or middle bucket, whatever it may be, and dig back. Um, and then for our bigger dogs, we'll do that as well, but we'll also put two more buckets out, one on each end. So now you got five buckets in a row. and We'll back up 25 yards. I'd do it at 100 yards with my big dogs. And, and it's all low cover. You know, I'm not doing it in a knee hike. I mean, I want them to be able to see the buckets. I, I, ideally, I'd like to see them, the bumpers on the ground. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you can use orange bumpers, white bumpers. It doesn't matter. And that's just it's just one more thing we teach them before we go into pattern blinds. And, and it just gets them changing direction and understanding that if they don't give me enough cast, enough angle, then there's a, you know, take a bigger angle. Cool, man. Maybe we can put up like a diagram or something or maybe do that next week. I think we could also do an Instagram IGTV thing tomorrow. Well, you guys are training or over, well, Some, sometime, yeah, yeah, sometime soon. You week. guys got a lot yeah. going on before we'll the it. weekend, but, we'll do it. uh, and real quick before we do wrap up here, 
episode 74, laying the foundation. Oh, laying the pipe. Laying the foundation. That's right. With Oliver Berman. Episode 74, if you'd like his first episode. Uh, on, On Instagram, it's foundation retrievers. Any underscores? I couldn't even tell you. It's just foundation. We're not, we're not big on the, the gram, but we are on there. I think it's uh, at Foundation Retrievers. Yeah, he's big on the other dating apps. Yeah, Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> no, anybody who wants to uh, get in touch with him, he is in Buffalo slash Union. South Carolina. South Carolina. He is, you know, if you're in that South Carolina zone and you want uh, a great duck dog or a competition hunt test dog, I would send my personal dogs to him. He's just, I, and I, we have, we've, we've sent guys and gals that are down there your way and they're, they're pumped. You, you do an unbelievable job. You're kind, you're thoughtful on how you train them and you treat them like they're yours. And I respect the hell out of that, buddy. Well, we appreciate it. Yeah, man. And I'm glad you're here and, uh, you got a whole nother week of it. I know. Cheers to another episode. Big shout out. Big sweat. Big sweat. Andrew Floyd. Andrew Floyd. Kevin Owens. Maybe we'll get him on the Instagram. Let him do a little little speaking on there. He didn't want to be on the podcast. He didn't even want a mic in his hand. Well, we'll get him on there. This we'll one. get him we'll, on We'll make there. an appearance so people can put the, the face to the, the name. That's right. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Check it out on uh, patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters. If you join, you're getting in on an all expenses paid trip to hunt with us and the pit boss. Uh, we are going to pick that winner in September to gear up for December hunt so you can have enough time to get your work schedule uh, sorted out. You'll be shooting at mm, at those mm, scoters. You can check out LoneDuckOutfitters.com. Be sure to click subscribe. Leave us a comment if you enjoyed this episode. We appreciate you. Until the next time, we'll see you. Hey, if you haven't done it already, jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you enjoy the show and want to support the show, if this show has helped you and your dog grow together, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, it's like buying me and Kevin a beer and you get more one-on-one from me. You get content that doesn't hit Instagram or YouTube and it enters you to win a free hunt with me and Kevin in Missouri this duck season. So jump on, links in the description. We'd be happy to have you and love to help you. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.